You think you know me. And we welcome you to another edition of This is Wrestling. It is Weaver Sage along with the highlight reel himself, the one and only Belleville. What do you call it? Bellevillian? But then it's like a villain. And then I, I feel like that's way more than you are, Zach, because you're not a hero. You're not a villain. You're just mid. Zach McGibbon joining us, as always. Zach, it's always good to talk to you. Wow, I was I was wondering where that was going. I was uh, so hanging was on to the edge of my seat, the so edge of my seat. Uh, mm. But uh, no, uh, it's uh, good to talk with you as always, Lee. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, let's talk about this uh, this Wrestle Dream pay per view that happened last night as we're recording. I was going to say one of us is rated R, and one of us is kind of PG, but I would rate you F actually. <laughs> just just a straight F. Not even going to give yeah. you the benefit of a D minus or anything like that. No. Again, Zach, <laughs> Zach, give me in order from highest to lowest the ratings of the movies. As in, in uh, like, in like the there's uh, TVG, uh, a G, PG, PG 13. Uh, if you want yeah, to include isn't TV there 14, an, isn't there an F for family? Uh, you know what? I think there is. Uh, and if I, there is. I'm owed an apology for not failing you on the words. <laughs> I should fail you on the word family. Holy moly. Um, but if there isn't, then I apologize. And we'll go with as G as you can be. Okay. And right here is the rated R, baby. <laughs> Just search Pope. it through. It's, Adam, uh, no F. No F for family. I see it no. come up all the time. I I watch so many Hallmark and Disney movies in I my know. life. I just uh, okay. That's well, according to the Canadian Home Video Rating System. So okay, look up the American Home Rate Rating System. Look that up. The okay. Canadian. Why would you look up the Canadian one? Well, who, I who we're cares? a Canadian podcast. Who, I mean, who cares what forty million people think of movies? They're all done in the U.S. anyway. Other than the Hallmark ones where they come up here and film it for cheaper. Although I am watching Suits right now. Have you seen oh, Suits, Zach? Yes, I've seen yes. Suits. Good Have show. You? Good yeah, show. Yeah. Fil filmed in Toronto, not in New York City, as it appears. Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of season three. But all of a sudden, nice. I see these like BMO and bell and roger signs outside i'm like this isn't new york city who is do who is pretending that this is new york city as you continue to look up the american system yeah i'm just uh pulling it with, up here yeah with no luck and waiting for the f for family i don't see an f i uh, see g i see r i see x i see gp and pg which i guess is interchangeable uh Let's see. Okay. I don't see well, F. Yeah, NC17. 
There's a lot of ratings in the American system. My goodness. There's a lot. <laughs> See, the things you learned, Zach, the things you learned. And we yeah. learned at the end of Wrestle Dream, late on the East Coast last night, that Adam Copeland rated our superstar. Everyone knows him as Edge back in AEW. Um Okay, where to start? Zach, I like to start usually either at the very beginning or the very end and go kind of either way. So I'm going to start with the fact, and this is going to actually surprise you. I'm going to start with the fact that I'm going to ignore some of the things that happened last night and at Wrestle Dream from the kind of the technical nitpicky point of view, because I will get to those. But let's just start with the fact that Adam Copeland is in AEW. Are we happy about this? Is this a big thing? Was I happy to hear Metalingus last night? Yes, Zach, I was. Um, I'll go through it in a minute. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. I didn't love the way that they did it. But man, am I happy Adam Copeland is in AEW. You see, it's it's funny because I'm kind of the opposite. Uh, I, I thought that the way that they executed it was probably the best possible way they could have debuted Edge, uh, Adam Copeland. Uh, in terms of my personal excitement factor for seeing Adam Copeland, I'm kind of middling on, on Edge in AEW. I am still... I, I, I get it from the sense of this is a guy that's been in WWE for many years, going all the way back to the nineties. And he hasn't been on the independent scene since 96, 97 when he was Sexton Hardcastle. So uh, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how a guy that's been incubated in that WWE system for so long is now out of it. And it's going to try and thrive in an AEW system where he'll have a little bit more freedom, in fact, a lot more freedom creatively, uh, to see through his creative vision and also work with a bunch of different wrestlers, a bunch of different talents. And we've seen Edge in the ring. Like, he's a good wrestler. I don't want to take that away. This recent run that he was on in WWE was not one of my favorite runs of Edge's, uh, personally. I thought that there was a lot of times where, especially with some of the promos, I just, it really wasn't clicking for me. And there were stories that really weren't clicking for me as well either. So this is a chance for Edge slash Adam Copeland to kind of reshape himself and form a new identity, probably in the latter part of his career. Last couple of years, he gets to be in a company with his best friend. And again, as I mentioned earlier, that, that creative freedom that he's now going to have more of. Um, but I kind of go in with some tempered expectations because I, I, I look as well as going back to Edge's run in WWE. I look to not just the stories, but, you know, there's a lot of talk. Obviously, it's a big star that's coming in. But in terms of actual impact, uh, in terms of television ratings, um, it weren't as significant as I think people think they were. In fact, in some cases having edge on TV for WWE seemed to have actually been in hindrance uh, on some of the television ratings. So I am interested to see how AEW is going to be able to build around Adam Copeland and how they're going to present him. And I thought in terms of his debut for AEW on the wrestle dream pay-per-view, 
uh, was the best possible way to do it with with the music, same entrance, the presentation, uh, the the lawn build up to the big angle at the end after the match, after the main event match between Christian Cage and Darby Allen. I thought this was all executed very well to where he came off as a big star. He was presented as this big main event guy that's coming into the company, ready to make an impact right away. Um, so I'm actually kind of the opposite of you where I'm not as hyped up about edge and his run as maybe others are, but I did think in terms of how you debut him, how you present him from day one, I thought they uh, nailed it actually. Well, it just proves to you that you're opposite on a lot of things, including the right things to know. Um, (laughs) Okay. It's nice that we're starting off that you're dead wrong on a lot of this. So I'm going to, yeah. Yeah. So first of all, I'm excited that edge is back. And one of the reasons why I'm excited that Edge is is at least in AEW. I shouldn't say back. He's in AEW. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about it because of the fact of we have seen there. I think you have to get to know sometimes. And not that I know him, but he's been around for so long and you hear so much about him. You've seen him behind the scenes. You feel like at least you have an idea of who Adam Copeland is. Not that I'm friends with them or your friends with them or anything else but you feel like you kind of understand you know growing up in orangeville and growing up with christian and the love and the passion for the business and being in a spot where it, it's always been that way for him has he got lost in the shuffle has he lost his way a couple times yes look uh, uh first of all can you tell me who main evented a pay-per-view in October 2023 in AEW last night? Uh, Darby Allen and Christian Cage main evented a pay-per-view last night. Christian Cage. Christian yep. Cage, who came into AEW. Zach, did you think that Christian Cage would not only main event one, but two AEW pay-per-views when he came into the the company i did not think that would happen no no chance do you know why it's happened because christian is one of those guys who simply loves the business and was a guy who found a level of i want to be here i want to help out i'm going to push as hard as i possibly can and i'm going to see what i can do in a whole new environment And I think it's fair to say that with anybody in any company, wrestling or not, if you're in the same company, you can get stale. Did I get stale in where I was before? Sure. I think you can argue that. But I also think you can argue that when I was handed new challenges, I made them bigger and better. Mm -hmm. This is the first time you just mentioned it. This is the first time that Adam Copeland Edge can go to another company, can be able to help all of those underneath him, he can look up and go, well, there's Chris Jericho and there's Sting and there's, I always forget some of the other guys that are older than him and in their 50s. There's more than a couple in AEW. So he's not the oldest guy there. He's got a new challenge, a new kind of way of going about things 
And I think he's going to rocket ship. And we're going to see another level of Edge Adam Copeland that we haven't seen before. Simply with all of the new surroundings and the type of person that he is, that he wants to be the best. And the only way that he can be the best is to go out there and have unbelievable matches and actually make a difference when he walks out on television. Christian makes a difference when he walks out on television. And so Edge is going to be that guy. And I, I, I'm just really excited about it because I, I truly believe this is not like somebody else going to another company and you're kind of like, I don't know. Like he, he could do this and he might do this. And it just feels like unless he gets hurt, like anybody, this is going to be one of the hardest working guys that you've ever seen. Because if he goes here and rests on his laurels from his like 20 year stint in the WWE, he's going to be dead in the water. Mm-hmm. And Christian didn't do that. He did the opposite. And he's now main evented two pay-per-views. I never believed in it. I don't care how much Christian is the biggest. I'm the biggest fan. I'm such a mark for that guy. Mm-hmm. No way I would have said he would have main evented two AEW pay-per-views. Not a chance. But he has. And he has because, as his shirt says, he's outworked everyone. So I am thrilled that they have another guy like that in the company. As much as I like CM Punk, as much as I like some of the other guys, how many people come with a track record of they might not be the best. They might not be the the greatest this or the greatest that. But holy crap, they're going to work hard and maybe make up for all of the other deficiencies because they care. I, I feel like Edge is in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like things got really, really stale for him in a company. And he said so. He even said so in his goodbye letter. Not, and, you know, not anything trashing WWE. They just didn't have anything else for me. And once you get stacked by Roman Reigns, when you come back, where do you go? And and tell me opportunities where you thought he had great opportunities and he's the one that dropped the ball in the WWE. And I'll sit here and wait. Yeah, in terms it, of him dropping the ball? Yeah, no. ex- exactly. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that this is the guy when presented with new bigger challenges is going to outwork and outshine them all in a last run here with AEW. And I don't know how long that's going to be. When when he came in last night, I was praying to God he would be on the same side as Christian because you know, you anticipate him coming, you anticipate him coming. Please be on the same side as Christian because you know that they want to have that one last match together. And after Edge wrestles Christian, Adam Copeland wrestles Christian, probably they're both going to go off into the sunset. I don't want that to happen soon. I, I want that ha- I want there to be as long as possible with Adam right. Copeland on my television. And I hope that at some point he joins forces with Christian. Um, they reunite, they do that stuff, and then at the end they can have that last match and then they can both ride off into the sunset. So I'm... I'm thrilled because I just don't know how many people have the work ethic that that guy does. 
Now, in saying that, so first of all, having Nick Wayne and his mom again be front and center in the main event, awful. Okay? Awful. His mom stood there for two, the first two falls while everyone was sitting down. Clearly, she's going to be involved. And I think I just witnessed all this Darby Allen, Nick Wayne, AR Fox stuff with AR Fox. Did I not? Mm-hmm. And now it's the same thing. Nick Wayne's turning on Darby Allen in the main event of a pay per view. So you're going to tell me that Edge was ready to go and that the best way to debut him is to first of all have Nick Wayne turn on Darby Allen and actually cost him the match. Tossed him the chance to win the title in his hometown. And then you're going to tell me that literally like five minutes after this, well, we're going to have Nick Wayne turn and then we're going to have Sting come down and he's going to look really awkward, whatever was going on with him. And then we're going to have this like weird kind of beat down sequence. And then we're going to have a promo with Edge being in the car, and here he comes. Dude, you're five minutes late. It's the same, like, it's the same thing I said with Don Callis coming out at the end with the Sammy Guevara Chris Jericho thing. If you're gonna come down, why come down after he loses? Well, tell me why Edge came down and hit Luchasaurus and did all this stuff and sort of looked awkward in the ring. And got in his car and comes down the highway and all this stuff. And it says rated R on the on the road. It's like the main event's over. <laughs> this has been going on now for five minutes afterwards. And what are you coming down to do? To make the save? I, because Sting's being beaten down. And who else ran into the ring? Somebody else ran. And it's like, what the hell is going on? And why is he so late? So yeah, I hate Luchasaurus it. was in there. Yeah, yeah Luchasaurus. Yeah. So it's like whatever, whatever brain trust came up with this, it's like the second that, like to me, if you're going to do it where you're going to have Nick Wayne turn, which I think is a bad idea in a main event of a pay-per-view, because I, I still don't know who Nick Wayne is to be involved this much in AEW without actually wrestling at 18. Oh, he's got a good future. Sure. He's been involved in these main event scenarios for weeks and weeks and weeks. Who is this guy? He's Darby's friend. He's young. He's talented. He's great. Okay. Sure. He's never in a match. Every match he's ever in, he loses. But sure. He's he's turning on a guy in a main event, and somehow that's, that's good. But if you're going to do it that way, that's how you've decided to do it. The second Nick Wayne turns on Darby Allen and Christian gets the pinfall and beats Darby Allen, he should be going to get the chairs for the concerto, handing one to Nick Wayne, having the other one himself. I'm going to do it. Okay, here's Edge. Can you tell me why we needed Sting? Can you tell me why we needed Luchasaurus? Can you tell me why we needed five minutes after the match to just wait and wait and wait and wait and wait for this car to come down and then Edge comes out? Give me a break. 
Not only this for is... Edge to come out, but also had to get his entrance in as well. Had the pyro going on. Pyro, had to do yeah, his pose yeah. as well. Oh, and you got to run to each side. Right. And it's like, oh my God. Anyway, not a fan of the way that it clearly, um, that it happened. But again, I'll say I'm actually really excited that Edge is there and Adam Copeland's yeah. there. Um, I, I, so if he beats off Luchasaurus, he beats off Nick Wayne. Christian didn't really look all that overwhelmed that Edge was there. And he's a really, really good facial expression actor. Mm -hmm. So he didn't really look all that concerned. Even when he was coming down, was like, oh, maybe he's on my team and blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God, he's not on my team. Well, I'm going to grab my title and get out. Uh, okay. And Edge awkwardly shaking hands with Sting and Darby Allen and Darby Allen's extending. Like, why is Darby Allen extending his hand to Edge? Well, he got he got saved from Edge from the beatdown. I some of that I think you're you're late leaving out some context, especially on the Nick Wayne stuff. Uh so they have explained Nick Wayne on TV. They literally did video packages explaining who Nick Wayne is when he was announced that he was signed with AEW and he was debuting on the programming, saying he was this, you know, he was the son of a second, a third, he's a third generation wrestler. His father died when he was young. They literally brought it up in the entirety of that AR Fox storyline. And yes, uh, I remember. Yeah. And so, and so then, you know, in terms of Edge coming in late, well, you should also remember as well that Nick Wayne was a babyface coming in and then turned heel, realizing maybe Edge didn't realize, oh man, he turned heel. I got to get into the car and put this thing into gear and get myself out of the, the dredgy part of Seattle and get myself to the arena to make the save. But uh, no, I think the layout of this was, was really well done in terms of building up for a big pop. And uh, that's what they got at the end. And they've got the crowd reaction of, of Edge debuting and, being a part of a storyline with Christian Cage where however you feel about the Nick Wayne on TV or, or the buildup of it all, I will say it's one of the stronger stories they have going in AEW currently, um, which you could either see as a as an indictment to their storytelling in the last couple of months or strength. Uh, I, I'll let listeners decide for themselves on that. But I don't know. I, th I actually thought that this was a better, more executed angle they're giving it credit for some and the other stuff you mentioned, like, oh, he's getting his car, the promo video. I mean, they could have gotten rid of the promo video, sure. And there's some things that you mentioned there that I just accept as tropes in pro wrestling, like uh, you know, having to hit the entrance uh just as you're about to make the save. Like, look, I got I got a pose, you know what I mean? Before I, I save Sting in the ring after the mat is all broken up and torn off. I got the smoke going in, I'm feeling the energy of the crowd. Remember when Jeff Hardy debuted and his brother was getting beaten up by like six people but he still did the yeah, uh, yeah, the yeah. thrust that's that's essentially what it is you know what i mean it's like yeah but that's not good like because it's been yeah, done before I, stop accepting stuff like it's okay just because it's been done before that's oh, why we turn that on me now that's why we turn that on me now that's why we change things this. in life we change <laughs> things in life because things are bad well that's i i accept it more because the crowd is hot. The energy is good. It's like, I, I'm feeling good. It'd be one thing if it's a bad trope. You know what I mean? Uh, could it be improved? Sure. But I didn't think it took away either. Uh, so I, I, I actually thought this, this angle was much better than you're giving it credit for 
in terms of setting up and 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 building and building and building so that you could get that big pop. You get the heel turn in there. Everyone, Zach, everyone knew he was coming. Still, right? you you still build to it. You keep you it on the edge of your sting. seat, literally. No, no you don't <laughs> yes. need Sting out there looking hobbled and like he's part of the story. Of course, you would have Sting out there. He's part of the tandem with with Darby Allen. Is he? And Nick Wayne. Did, yes. So did Sting come I've out at the beginning? I've been watching Sting did, with Darby Allen for two years, Lee. You know, I understand. Who came out with Darby Allen at the beginning of the pay-per-view to give him a hug? Ah, uh, there's Nick Wayne. There was Nick Wayne. Uh, Nick yeah. Wayne. That's it. Nick Wayne. Not Sting. Nick Wayne. Yeah. We've we've saw also saw on the TV that Sting's allowing Darby Allen to do his own thing. He could survive on his own. There are little literally segments about this. About how Sting didn't really need, uh, rather, sorry, Darby Allen didn't really need Sting's help. I don't know. I thought this is a good angle. People okay. are, are reacting to it. It's all over the wrestling news sites. Oh, because once again, Zach, when he likes the wrestling news sites, thinks that they're a really good idea. But when a couple of them say things he doesn't like, they're the worst thing in the world. Oh, okay. I understand. Even Zach a broken McGibbon. clock is right twice a day, Lee. So uh-huh. it's okay if, you know, I, first of all, it's not even just the news sites. I'm talking about, like, all the big headlines. Like, I'm not talking about analysts analyzing the return, saying this is great. This is my opinion. I The analysts are also saying this is great for AEW, that Edge is coming in. I don't think it's as great as people are making it out to be. I do have concerns about his ability to draw at this stage of his career. I, I don't think he certainly he could fill that void that CM Punk left. I know that the ratings have been better than that, what they were expecting with Punk gone, but they're still not amazing. And you look at the attendances, I don't think Edge is going to do that that much. Maybe in the short term, you get a little pop in some uh, different cities. But in terms of, you know, you get the name out there, everybody's talking about Edge or Adam Copeland or whatever his name is, Damian Stryker, whatever the latest Edge name is uh, for for AEW. And people are talking about Metalingus and people are talking about, oh, it's it's essentially like it's pretty much what WWE did with Cody Rhodes, where they put in Cody and just put AEW Cody Rhodes into WWE and people love it. So from that standpoint, the presentation, the character, I thought it worked and I thought the angle was well done. It's look, is it it's not their best show closing angle that still goes to the. Uh, the All Out show a couple years ago when Brian Danielson and Adam Cole came out. Uh, that's still the best show closing angle the company has ever done. But this was still a very solid show closing angle. So I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was a good angle to end yeah. off the show. Felt some energy, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Only took a half an hour to get there afterwards. <laughs> but okay. Uh, so. You agree, I guess, because the way the ring was going to do, like when you heard, like even more so when I heard that this was main eventing and not Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr., I'm like, okay, well, it's just coming out for sure. And I also knew sort of getting into the rest of the pay-per-view that we can talk about. And we'll start here because Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. was bloody well incredible. But um, not to be lost on the night was Swerve Strickland winning and beating Adam Page and you had two hometown guys win, which even further told me what was going to happen in the main event. So I thought they foreshadowed that not great. What did you make of that match being the main event? Did you like it? 
Uh, you talk about Christian Cage and Darby yeah. Allen being the main events. Uh, in terms of the show closing angle, I understood it. The match itself, I thought, was good. Um, it obviously was Darby Allen is a, a sick human being and is just going to take these hellacious bumps onto the seal steps where after he gets thrown to the outside on this mat and then thrown on the steps again, decides, you know what, that wasn't good enough, throw me on the steps again. And for the moment, I had thought he had broken his arms on the third time that he was thrown. Um, but uh, I thought the match itself was good. I thought it was a, a strong... Mm-hmm. It made sense in terms of, you know, Darby Allen. he's from Seattle, they're in Seattle. Uh, Christian is a very good heel, a great heel, in fact, uh, for this company. And uh, so I thought it all coming together and it made sense for the show closing angle. So uh, I wouldn't take it away if, if, if obviously if edge wasn't coming uh, and wasn't debuting for AEW, then obviously I would have switched it out with either Danielson and Zack Sabre jr. Or swerve and Heyman page. But in terms of uh, the buildup, how they, how they, Grew that grew this, and we've been saying a lot about how we want to try and get the TNT title back to some sort of re- prominence and relevance because mm-hmm. uh, the international title has exceeded that. I think that's one of the ways you could do it. I'm not saying it's there because it's in the main event, but it's certainly a good step into making it be relevant again in the AEW television. So mm-hmm. I thought this was a strong main event, uh, especially building into the show closing angle. Uh, it was hellacious. It was a it was a fight. It was nasty at times. Um, and there was some good drama in it. And I think in terms of the easy, you know, local baby face trying to overcome uh, the dastardly heel um, to a much greater extent, uh, I thought this was a strong choice for the main event with everything, considering the post-show uh, angle. Yeah, I think with the post-show angle, it probably has to be. They just foreshadowed it a lot. Yes. By some of the things that they decided to do. Now, that doesn't make it wrong. It's just sometimes, you know, in wrestling specifically, you don't, I don't love things that foreshadowed so I know exactly what's going on um, before it happens. But anyway, I understand why they did it. And I don't think it's a bad choice because Christian proved to me again, even in a main event spot, imagine going on after. Like the three matches before that, if you're Christian and you're like 50 years old and, you know, now you're the, the, the TNT champion and you're facing the hometown kid, there's a lot to go. Like after you're after Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr., you had, of course, Takeshka and um, Sammy Guevara and Will Ospreay and Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega and Bushi, and then you had FTR and Aussie Open. That's a lot to follow. You better be good because that spot can be let down in a hurry. Mm-hmm. That that's not an easy spot to be in, and didn't even look like it bothered him. To me, didn't even look like it bothered um, Darby, but it didn't look like it bothered Christian at all. Mm-hmm. He's just a consummate pro. Yep. Uh, so, so, okay. Saber Jr., Brian Danielson. You're you're a match star guy. Yes. Eager to hear your opinion. Oh, this this was a five star match. Easy for me. Uh, this is a great technical showcase between both these guys. 
I I was hooting, I was hollering, I was like John Moxley at the announce table, uh, especially his reaction at the end once the match was done. Uh, I felt like I had to smoke a cigarette afterwards. It was great. Um, the shirt was off, waving the shirt. I mean, this was this was a great match. Uh, I saw Dave had uh, Dave Meltzer had posted this was a modern day Billy Robinson versus Antonio Noki, which is fitting. Uh, that would be on the Antonio Noki tribute show, um, memorial show. Uh, I thought the work here was tremendous. The the seamless transitions into different holds, um, and the story being told here of Danielson having to resort to getting physical and trying to knock the guy out, uh, realizing that his technical ability may not be as good as uh, Zack Sabre Jr.'s. And, uh, and then they teased that afterwards that there would be a rematch, which I would be all for a rematch between both these guys. This is a match of the year candidate for me. Uh, I, I loved it. This uh, exceeded my expectations. I already had pretty high expectations on this. Um, and Danielson just continues to show he's one of, if not the best wrestler in the world. Uh, really the only other person I can think of at this point that would be in comparison would be Osprey. But uh, yeah, this was a, this was my favorite match of the show. This is everything I love about pro wrestling. This is, this was pro wrestling for me. Um, again, the seamless transitions, the great limb work. I don't want to hear about working a hold and how, you know, it's just a rest hold or whatever and how it's great when this match exists now. And that's like the epitome of working different holds and actually telling a story. So uh, this was just tremendous. People, if, if, if people haven't seen it yet, they're listening to this. Once they're done listening to this podcast, go and watch this. This is a tremendous technical wrestling match between two of the best technical wrestlers in the world. I kind of knew you'd feel that way. <laughs> so I liked I, it. I, I thought it was very good. So I really wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, do you know what the... Okay. If you had to think about what either your or mine would be if it was the... If I said, what was the worst part of the match? What would what would you say, even for you? Like, what was the worst part of that match? Because I know what I know what my and not that I'm going to pick it apart, but I know what mine is, and it's not even close. Was it Moxley on commentary? You freaking bet! Oh wow! All right. Okay. Like honestly, somebody needed to go out there and like John shut the bleep up like i am trying to watch this match and i'm trying to hear and nigel mcginnis is just incredible on commentary and he's he's delivering these lines and you can tell that they're going to build something for nigel and brian danielson because he's like outwardly calling him a coward for reaching the ropes when last match it was the great ring awareness of people getting to the ropes and now Brian Danielson's a coward and like, but literally it didn't matter if Excalibur or Nigel McGuinness or anybody else are talking. Moxley's just talking over everybody. This gibberish crap. And he did it in the first match with Wheeler Yuta. Right. He yep. just talked, talked the entire time. I'm like, they're actually, I said, to our good friend Ben Soublier, who I watched the pay-per-view with, they're actually doing like this isn't television where 
having John Moxley out on TV and hearing his voice, knowing that he's okay after what happened to him, and it's actually helping your show. This is a pay-per-view that I don't need the commentary from John Moxley to make it better. Because you have Nigel McGuinness, you have Excalibur, you have Tony Schiavone, you have Taz, and you have Jim Ross. Yes. Please tell me why you need John Moxley out there gibberishly just talking the entire time. Anyway, I, it, the worst part of this match, and what I'm going to do is go back and watch it on mute. So even understand how great this match was even further, I'm going to watch it on mute and just actually watch them because this was, as you said, you're a little bit more into this stuff than I am. Mm-hmm. But even for me, I'm watching this match going, this is almost everything I love about professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like they're telling the story of even with the broken forearm and the steel and what yes. Osprey was doing to the hand and why he was working the right hand. And like, it was just brilliant. Like everything about this match was brilliant. Except for John Moxley who ruined it for me, but I'm not wow. going to let it, but I'm not going to not ruined it. I shouldn't say that, Put it because the match was not ruined. It was an unbelievable match, but yeah. he, he just put a damper on, he got in the way of something and that's never what's supposed to happen as a broadcaster. You're taught when you're doing play by play and I get it. He's not a broadcaster. He's a wrestler, but that's somebody's fault for putting him out there and leaving him out there after he buffooned his way on the, the microphone through the first match. And they left him out there for a second match. Technically a third. Cause he was also on commentary for the uh, Claudio and Josh Barnett pre-show match as well. Which apparently he got fined for and yeah. swore and swore, which maybe at that point you should have said, Hey John, you're not going to go out. <laughs> Throw some and coins in the swear jar. Yeah. And do this. Um, anyway, brilliant match. Uh, I do agree with you. It's what a lot of us love about the world of professional wrestling. And if you are a wrestling fan, you just need to watch it because yes. it tells a story in the ring. That is not this guy hates that guy. It is two people who's better. And it was awesome. Like it was just magnificent. Yep. Sometimes it's all you need in pro wrestling. Who is better between the two? And especially in this case of who is the best technical wrestler between these two guys, that's all you needed. I agree. So it was awesome. Um, And I'm kind of glad that it didn't, like it went on fourth last, I want to say. Uh, yes. Because went, uh, fourth last, yeah. I'm just glad it wasn't second last. That's yes. all. Uh, because it would have been even more difficult for these people to have the shine uh, that they needed when you were coming off that match. Um, I actually thought the six man was kind of well done. Osprey. Jericho, Omega. I thought it was pretty well done, but I got a couple of nitpicks for it. And mm-hmm. it actually took away for, from it at the end. Um, the right guys won, but 
if I had to ask you who was the worst of the six people in the ring, who would you say? I assume you're going to say Kota Ibushi. I am not. Oh, you say Jericho? Nope. Oh, now because, I'm interested to hear who, who you thought was the worst. Yeah, because, and by worst, I mean not like gifted some of the things that he did in the ring. Mm-hmm. By worst, I mean he didn't go into business for himself. But what he did do was a whole bunch of stuff that I'm like, why are you doing this? And that's Sammy Guevara. Ah, yes. Okay. He's parading around the ring. He's flexing. He's dancing. He gets on the mic not once, but twice with Taz. And it's like, you do understand that you're on the team with Will Ospreay, right? That the best wrestler in the world and you want to be one of the pillars and you want to be one of the guys that like wants to get to the next level. The best wrestler in the world isn't doing what you're doing. You're on his team. In fact, the guy who doesn't speak English has done a better job at getting over than you have in Takeshka. Now with Don Callis, but I think that's a really good example of the guy doesn't speak English and he's being portrayed like a monster because he's got a really good guy talking for him and they've positioned him very, very well. They haven't made him look stupid. And now they're giving him the nickname of, of alpha because of Kenny Omega. And like, they've done everything with Takeshka right to make a guy who doesn't speak English an absolute star. And Sammy Guevara is parading around the ring doing everything he can do to take away from people watching all of the guys that are better than him in the ring. All of them. And when I say all of them, on that night, Chris Jericho and Kota Ibushi, better. Dude paraded around like he was something when he needed to actually sit there and go, I'm going to be, you're going to see through my athletic work you being this like cocky little crap head is actually not doing anything but turning me off of this match. One that has Will Ospreay and Takeshka and Kenny Omega in it. You you are doing what it takes to take away from it. I just don't understand, Zach. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, I didn't think they used Will Ospreay enough. It was like a night off for him, and he's the best wrestler in the world. I wanted to see more of him, but I actually thought this match was pretty decent considering. I thought it was going to be a huge letdown after the Danielson-Zack Sabre Jr. match, and it was not for me. No, this was definitely not a letdown for me either. Um, I thought this was very good. Uh, I thought that, you know, we've been talking about Ibushi for the last little bit in terms of his where he's kind of at in ring, and I thought he he's I thought he was better, but I still am of the belief that the guy is probably we're not getting the prime 2014 to 2018 Kota Ibushi uh that we've known uh they're having these excellent matches. I think that physical prime, that physical peak of Kota Ibushi is gone. I still think there is a good worker in there obviously from a from a mental uh, capacity. I think he knows how to lay out a match. 
um, and go in there. There were still a couple of things from Ibushi where I'm like, man, it was pretty clear to me that this is not the same level. I thought Takeshita had a very good performance in this. Yeah. Uh, I thought he looked dominant. I thought he looked strong. And I think he was, to me, the, the focal point of this match. Um, like you mentioned with uh, Will Ospreay, I also kind of felt the same of Kenny Omega, where he didn't have too many crazy spots that we usually see from him uh, or any big sequences. Um, so uh, overall, I thought the match as, uh, you know, a- again, after the uh, Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. match, I thought this match was a solid, strong match, um, but it wasn't exactly this next level, next tier match that I usually see, especially with the caliber of these guys, even a Sammy Guevara to an extent. Um, And uh, by the way, once again, the uh, modern day Hulk Hogan uh, taking the pinfall loss in the six man tag to Sammy Guevara. So uh, once again, stealing heat, stealing the shine, taking the pinfall loss, the modern day Hulk Hogan, Chris Jericho. I'm really glad you got to that because I I thought maybe you wouldn't get to it. No, no, I never thought that. Oh, and by the way, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, and, and that's it. Like just interesting. When yeah. Kenny Omega came out, the little caption said, "Since Don Callis, I, I, okay, I'm paraphrasing. Since Don Callis turned his back on Kenny Omega, Omega zero and four at pay per views." Hmm. Make it 0 and 5. Yeah. That's right. He has been on a bit of a losing streak recently. That's a big number. Yeah. For old Kenny. Yeah. I just I just think it's interesting. Nothing more, yeah. nothing less. Yeah. Just fairly interesting that Kenny Omega is 0 and 5 in pay-per-views in the last five pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. That he has been on. Um, so then I thought, oh my God, FTR and Aussie opener coming on. And we've had this like couple, like we had this five star incredible match. And then we had a really good follow up, I thought. And we still got the main event. And we're going to get FTR and Aussie open. And while it wasn't, I guess, this like absolute classic. I thought it was better than I thought I was going to get. I felt very bad for Mark Davis, who clearly did break his wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the final report is, but you could see he couldn't do anything. He couldn't lift. He couldn't do, like, this was not Danielson selling his arm. This was, that guy has hurt himself badly. Um, but I thought this is. I thought this was really good in keeping Aussie open strong. This is one of the themes of the pay-per-view for me was people losing that you could keep strong. I thought they did a whale of a job on this show of the losers coming out still looking very, very strong. And I would say in Aussie open FTR that happened, even though Mark Davis broke his wrist. Yeah, uh, I I actually thought this match, I I had some high expectations for this, just because these two had had a fantastic match at New Japan's Royal Quest last year, and I thought these two could have on a bigger stage that same caliber of match, maybe even better, and it did not hit that caliber for me. 
Um, I thought this was not as good as the Royal Quest match. Still pretty good. I think it was a combination of placement of the card, uh, obviously being before the main event, the injured wrist of Mark Davis, and also just the way that the match built on itself. The crowd wasn't really getting into it. And I also have to think that the way that Aussie Open has been portrayed on TV in the last little while, losing to MJF and Adam Cole, yeah. um, I think that also impacts them in terms of their credibility to the audience, where I know and you know and anybody that's followed Aussie Open uh, for a while now and seen them in the ring, you know that these two guys, especially Fletcher, who I think has a high ceiling in terms of where he could be at as an in-ring performer, we know that those guys could be a great tag team, but in terms of the way that they've been booked on television, they haven't really been booked as one of the best tag teams in the world. They've kind of been booked as another tag team in the division. And exactly. So, yeah. So I think that also had a factor as well. And so I think you add all those things together and you look at it from a technical standpoint and in-ring work-wise, it was it was it was well done. There were some good sequences in there. They they put together some good spots, but uh, I think there was just some elements against them and really it just did not take off to that next gear that I thought it would. And so I ended up being disappointed in a match that was pretty good, but something that I thought could have reached much higher based on these two teams. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, it was good, not great. And okay, you can't be great every time. Guy broke his wrist. Okay, but... Uh, Regardless of whether he broke his wrist or not, um, it wasn't hitting that level before. He didn't break his wrist till near the end of the show, mm-hmm. um, of the match. And so, yeah, I, I think the biggest point that you made, though, the one that I agree with the most, is the fact of how they've been booked. Um, I wanted them to win, and then I guess we'll lead into... The other match, which had the four teams compete for the number one contendership spot, of it was like, okay, if you're gonna have Aussie Open win, you can create another team in like a couple of weeks in your whole company because we know how good they are previously. And if you have them beat FTR tonight and then go on and beat the box, you've automatically put them in this conversation of when you start naming the best teams in the company and you get to FTR in the box and you're going to have to say Aussie open as well. I think they missed now the guy breaks his wrist and maybe they couldn't do it anyway, but I think they missed an opportunity because they've been booked way poorer than they actually are as one of the best teams in the world. Uh, I wish they booked them that way. I, I didn't, I haven't liked the way that they've been booked and I don't think that they've done a particularly good job with them and they've almost like been just okay since they've done enough to stay relevant without taking that next step but i don't think they've been allowed to take the next step and really show exactly what they can do uh, i was a little bit surprised that um i was going back and forth and if i'm being super honest both ben and i as we were watching this said there's two teams I don't think are winning. And that was, we both said, I don't want to speak for them, but mm. the, the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. I thought that 
Cassidy and Hook could win, just the way that they were building them up, and if they wanted to really kind of push a new team together. And Ben made a very compelling argument that the gun should win the match. And I was like, yeah. You already have, and I apologize for not remembering which Jackson has the title shot. Um, Nick Jackson. Nick, Nick Jackson um, for the international title. And, of course, everyone who's anyone who's anyone ever has a belt. So they're the ring of honor. They're not, I mean, they're not the acclaimed, of course, in Billy Gunn, who are the AEW trio champions. They're yes. the ring of the ring of honor trio champions and you'll have to tell me again why more belts are good when the way 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 better team has the belts of another company and not the belts of their own company who if they faced if the bucks and hangman page faced the acclaimed and billy gunn they would beat them a hundred times out of a hundred you're gonna have to tell me why those things happen. But what did you think of the match and what did you think of the Bucks winning? Uh, there were a couple of moments where I thought this was a match where, and this might sound funny considering how I've been complimentary of the Bucks for a, a while, but there were a couple of moments in this where it felt like it was moves for the sake of moves in this. Um, it didn't really hit as much uh, for me as I think it did for others. And especially that finish. Uh, when the Bucks were able to get the victory, and there was the the rare Bosch from Nick Jackson, I believe. Yeah. Uh, that kind of surprised me. And I was at the same ballpark as you guys. I did not think the Bucks were winning this, uh, especially when we just had FTR versus the Bucks only a couple of months ago. I didn't think they would return to that program uh, so soon. Uh, and you know, to it in the back of my head, I was thinking maybe they do go ahead with Orange Cassidy and Hook. Um, and, you know, the, the guns would make sense because there is that already that history built in between them and FTR. Um, so the Bucks winning was definitely a surprise for me. And I think similar to what happened with Mark Davis uh, in their tag match, I think this match was also impacted by Ray Phoenix seemingly uh, re-aggravating an injury uh, in his match. And so uh, I think you just kind of combine that together. And I thought it was good. I thought there was some good action. There was some good pacing. Um, some good fun stuff, but then there were some moments where it just kind of felt like moves for the sake of moves, and I wasn't personally invested in a lot of the teams that that were in there, just based on booking patterns in the recent uh, couple of weeks for AEW. And yeah. so, uh, so I thought it was a good match. Uh, it just again, it, it didn't really hit that other level that I've seen the Young Bucks matches have, or matches like this where they have some very good tag teams in there. Uh, be able to go and, and put on these good performances. I didn't think it reached some of the levels, higher levels we've seen of those multi-man tags uh, that AEW puts together. Yep, I think that's very fair. Um, I agree. I thought it was I thought it was really good. It just never got to that. Again, you get the, all of these teams that are so good mm -hmm. that you kind of go, okay, well, you know, your expectations are just so big for it. Maybe they shouldn't be with, especially with Cassidy and Hook, but um, yeah, no, just really enjoy them. So I'm um, just surprised they're going back to this. And I don't know if this would have to do with, and Ben brought it up, like maybe something happens with Cash Wheeler and he might not be around if 
if so, they're going to have to put it back on the box. I just thought a, it was a really big opportunity kind of missed where you could put Aussie open and maybe another team, you know, put the guns back up at top. You didn't have, he had, you know, Jay White being attacked, but um, we discussed uh, watching the fact that Jay White and, and Juice Robinson weren't on the show. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're going to tell me that Bullet Club gold is important, you're going to have to do something with people who are on the show. Uh, and they didn't do that either. So I was a little bit surprised, uh, but who can ever like really complain with a Bucks and FTR match oh. down down the line, right? Like, sure. I, I can tell you that I don't like the way they went about it or they could have gone other ways to do it, but if that's what you get at the end, well, it's still a pretty good ending mm-hmm. um, that you end up getting that. Um. Look, I don't, do you have any huge thoughts on um, Wheeler Yuta and Ricky Starks? No, this this felt kind of an in-between gap between Swerve and Hangman and Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, this kind of felt like a collision match for me. I was hoping for a little bit more from Yuta because I've seen him have some very good performances, but this was pretty clear. This this was sort of a bridge gap. And, uh, you know, you got we got our patented uh, John Moxley commentary, which I know Lee loves. And so, no, I, uh, <laughs> no, I don't love it, Zach. I don't love it at all. Um, no, I, no, yeah, I, nothing else. I hate. That. I hate it. Okay, so let's get to Swerve Strickland and Hangman Adam Page. Um, man, I love this. I I just think Swerve Strickland is such a star, and I think if you're gonna do the story of hangman building himself back up because he isn't the guy that he used to be anymore and he's going to build because that's what's going to happen and it could have started here with swerve strickland but i do think it's okay to have him take a few losses and continue the story even more of he's got to find something along the way to get back and I I just, by putting Swerve Strickland over in this spot, he deserves to be over. The guy is a star. And I I just loved a lot of this match. Great storytelling. Um, really good. Different styles, but really fit. Swerve fits with a lot of people. That's why I really like him. He can go in there with almost anybody and fit. And... I mean, I just don't see a lot of matches where Adam Page is in them by himself where he's not, you can't say at the end of it, man, that was a really crappy match. Mm-hmm. Um, so loved everything about this. Right booking, right result. Um, it's not like Hangman to me is any weaker. You still want to cheer for the guy. You still want him to be kind of the hero that saves the day at the end. That will happen in due time. And in the meantime, you've made another star, another example of good booking. Yeah, this is tremendous stuff. Uh, the way that they built this, uh, if the if the Danielson Zack Sabre Jr. match didn't happen, for me, this is the match of the night. Um, this was a, as you mentioned, just really well built. Um, there were, if, if I have to give a little bit of a critique, it was starting to border on overkill a little bit at the end. But it didn't 
cross over that line. And so I got to say they hit the landing. Um, and so, but yeah, I, I thought in terms of, as you mentioned, the story that kind of was brought into it, I thought this was the right moment for Swerve to have this big victory, obviously in his hometown and trying to continue to build this momentum so that you can have him elevate up on the card. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think this guy is a star. I, I think this guy deserves a push. See what you've got. Um, I think things are clicking right now and having, uh, you know, I'm a big Prince Nana guy. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of his and, and Nana's starting to get over with the crowd as well, just as they're starting to push over, uh, a Swerve Strickland, so I think having that combo is going to help with Strickland's ascent. Um, and yeah, Hangman Adam Page, when he's in these singles pay-per-view matches, I cannot think of a time where he's bombed on pay-per-view uh, and not delivered in a singles match. Uh, this guy goes out there, he's a tremendous performer. Um, I'm glad that they're renewing the focus on him. It may not seem like it to the naked eye, because well, he, he took a loss, but to me it's pretty clear that they are starting to get the... Uh, get everything back on track for Hangman page in terms of where his story arc is going and building him back up. Um, and like I said, uh, on the last episode, I think that this is just going to be the start of a longer feud here between swerve and Hangman page. Uh, that's going to continue on possibly until the end of the year. Uh, I think there's some great potential in this feud lasting longer. So Zach, one of the things I want to note about this match too, which might seem like a small detail, but I thought the sometimes it's the simplest things that it shows me and it shows a lot of people that you're actually looking ahead to what is in front of you. So you're going to have a match between Swerve Strickland and Adam Page, and it's going to be in Seattle. And the crowd is probably, even though Page is such a baby face, they're going to be behind the hometown guy that people love anyway, let alone in Seattle. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do to at least give Adam Page some heel-ish tactics for a night that don't cross over, but give him something to go back to that the crowd is going to boo him, they're going to be on Swerve Strickland's side, and you go back to Dynamite, where he put the pen in his hand at the end of the contract signing. I don't, I can't remember ever coming back and doubling back to a contract signing to go, man, that was really good. But just that moment of putting the pen and jamming it into his hand allowed Adam Page to continue to go after the hand and bite it and bend it and do these kind of nasty heelish things to it, which elicited a ton of reaction from the crowd in a heelish manner because they knew that's what they had to do in Seattle five days later. Seems simple. Great booking. Yes. Smart booking. Understanding your element and understanding where you are and Folks, I'm not trying to be AEW's the greatest of all time. Like, we're, we're nitpick all kinds of things. But this is stuff I don't see out of the WWE. I just don't see it. It's like, we're going to book an angle and blah, blah, blah. Oh, it happens to be in a place where maybe the crowd's a little different. Well, we're just going to go ahead with it all anyway. Instead of understanding the little subtleties of people are going to boo Adam Page. 
So we got to give them some things to do in that match that are heelish tactics without crossing this crazy line. And every time he went back to the hand, the crowd booed. And it allowed him to continue to do that, to play in this heelish manner. I just thought it was really intelligent booking. Yes. And when intelligent booking used to be the norm and now it's not the norm at all, I'm going to point it out every single time. And at the beginning of this show, I said that they did a really, really good job in... Um, so you have like losers in the night. Darby Allen loses. Stays pretty strong. Edge comes down. Adam Page loses. No worries about him whatsoever. Aussie Open lost. I thought they came across pretty well. I would never give one thought to Zack Sabre Jr. losing that match. He was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And you know who else I was worried about coming into this show? Of whether if this person didn't win, I was very worried about the character and where they would go. Do you know who it is? Is it Julia Hart? It's Julia Hart. I thought this match was fantastic. I thought it was, first of all, not that I care what the crowd says most times. It's like when I give you praise, Zach, it doesn't really mean that you're doing a good job. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm telling you, I right. kind of got to help you along and like, you yeah, know, got to carry me through the match and, you know, you got to go through the motions. But if any match on that card, you would thought would have gotten like a, I'm going to the bathroom. I don't really care to get into. Instead, this is awesome. Chant in the middle of that match. And I was worried that if Julia Hart didn't win, that she was just going to be another woman on the roster that is, okay, you're in, now you lost and you're out. And I don't think that at all. I think she was fantastic in this match. And Chris Statlander is always good. And Statlander kept the title. But you thought that Julia Hart could have won. And I think that's important for her character going forward. I was really worried about it. And they pulled it off great. I really like this match. And I didn't expect to. Yeah, and if you're somebody that's kind of following the progress of a lot of the prospects, especially in the women's division, seeing how Julia Hart has progressed. She's only 21. And to see her be at this level so far, uh, this is obviously her best match in AEW. Um, you have to be pretty ecstatic in terms of her development and how she could grow. Cause this was a big spotlight for her. And I said on the last show, like they're going to give her time. This is their, ch- this is her chance to show that, she could be somebody that could be reliable to go in there in the rain and have a good match. We saw that with the Willow Nightingale match that, that they gave her and she had a pretty solid match there too. Um, and then obviously against Satlander, a, a woman that we know can put on very good matches. Um, and she's really starting to come into her role as a, as a defending champion here as well for Satlander. So I think you got those two intersecting. You got Julia Hart continuing her progression um, she looks very good in the ring. Um, and so 
that has to give you a lot of confidence in terms of her development. I'll tell you this right now. In terms of where, I don't want to try and do the comparison game too much, but we saw a couple of months back, we saw how they were really trying to push Sky Blue a lot in this women's division. Um, I think Julia Hart is is far away uh, at a better spot development-wise than Sky Blue is right now. Um, and I would trust Julia Hart more to be able to, to develop more into something that could be a player in this women's division more than Sky Blue at this point. Um, and so I see that, see the match as well. Uh, as you mentioned, the crowd chanted, this is awesome. I think after that spider suplex spot as well, I think that really elevated that crowd and really got them into this match. Yep. Um, and, uh, and there were some people that there were some people in the audience that thought maybe this was Julia Hart's chance, Julia Hart's moment to win the TBS championship. Obviously that didn't happen, but I think there was still a very good match here. And, uh, I, I think two thumbs up for uh, Julia Hart and Chris Statlander. Yeah, they delivered in this match and they just need more women to start delivering so that when they go up against Statlander, who's really, really good, I wouldn't like Statlander's really good, but she doesn't have a great character. She's just there. Julia Hart is now she's obviously been put in a position. So I know some people would go, well, yeah, well, I could too if I was put with the House of Black. Maybe, but maybe not she's been given the opportunity to do it but she's also used the opportunity very very well and um she's got the character and she's developing the wrestling statlander has the wrestling and is developing the character and they're both coming along at a pretty good pace so i just thought that this was really good um when i not that i didn't expect it to be good but i didn't expect the crowd to be chanting this is awesome what i thought was awesome zach okay just sit down oh be careful because there's two matches left on the main show that we're talking about and there's one match i could agree was awesome and other was absolutely not awesome so i'm i'm fascinated to hear which one you're gonna say well tell me the two matches zach and then i'll tell you well, the two matches left, we got to review on the main show. Yeah, uh, we're not uh, reviewing just because you watched the pre-show. I don't know that I'll be reviewing the pre-show. Just oh, so you know. Yeah, I was. I had a full play-by-play -play on the Anoki ceremony uh, yeah. on standby. Oh well. Uh yes, the two matches uh, was either Eddie Kingston versus Katsuyori Shibata, or the two-on-one handicap match for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championship between MJF and the Righteous Dutch and Vincent. Okay, so I need you to sit down for this one because it could be a long argument. Oh boy, here we go. Okay, I'm ready. Kingston and Shibata was awesome. Ah, let's go. There we go. I was getting <laughs> nervous. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, oh boy, sweating a little bit over here. I know you were, Zach, and oh, I, boy. I, but you know what? For all the times where they got a little oh what match was it ah oh, man i i'm forgetting now where they got a little it might have been abushi and Takeshka, but a little forearmy a little with no selling and the shots don't look good and blah 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 this to me is also pro wrestling in eddie kingston and shibata because 
you were told that these two guys are brawlers their strong style and that's what's going to happen in this match and i was zach i was fearing they were going to come to the middle and just forearm each other in the face for five minutes <laughs> i literally was scared for my life and instead to me if you want to watch the technical part of wrestling and to say that danielson and zach saber jr did that would be an understatement but if you want to see strong style and physicality eddie kingston and shibata this is how you do it i hope that they're okay and they're not sore today and everything else but this is how you do that sort of match and you do it properly i i saved this till near the end because i didn't want you to be dancing around and not able to focus for the rest of the show <laughs> i was worried about that <laughs> but this was awesome it was physicality at its best in the world of pro wrestling and to me if you're going to put a match like this on and expect it to be believable and strong style this is exactly how you do it oh yes this i'm glad we're getting lever sage on the katsuyori shibata agenda the eddie kingston agenda i love it uh yeah this is tremendous i love this match uh great opener nothing happened before this match uh this was the opener uh we don't have to mention any other matches um yeah this was uh this was great uh i i thought uh it's funny you kind of mentioned strong style as well um they kind of brought up on commentary and this is going to be my wrestle nerd really coming to a full effect here but it was more like eddie kingston's you know royal road king's road style from all japan of the 90s uh kind of blending together with katsuyuri shibata's vision with from anoki that strong style as you mentioned kind of morphing together and you get this match um this was great this was hard hitting this is a, a great uh you know this again this is a great clash of styles um hard hitting just i love this match as a way to kind of get this card underway um i i i another match that i think people should go out and see this is probably my third favorite match of the card um this was this was great i i loved it uh people need to go seek this one out Jack, there was a match that was before this just see so there know. was yeah. are you sure it wasn't on the pre-show I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm sure it should have been on the pre-show. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I'm sure gotcha. that's where it should have been. Mm -hmm. I think my monitor went out when, uh, when that happened. I, I okay. So everything I said about keeping people really strong, just don't apply it to the righteous. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, just don't apply it to a one-on-two handicap mockery of a match. That I don't know. I have no idea why they decided to do this and think that it was a good idea, especially with the rest of the card. And I have no idea why you treat your AEW world champion this way. And okay, this is just a bad match. They kept the titles, MJF and Adam Cole, as MJF just won on his own and it was awful. Let's get past that. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to just, not talk about that and talk about the fact i have come to a very very distinct conclusion where 
this is not to go against anything I thought was entertaining with Adam Cole and MJF and all this stuff. I'm just going to tell you, I don't like MJF as a tweener or heaven forbid somebody call him a face. Yeah. I just don't like him. It's not what I like. I'm not paying to see that. Um, it's not entertaining to me. I understand that they're they've been in some weird spots with MJF. Um, I don't know. Just didn't didn't like anything about this, and don't really care where it's going to go. Uh, other than the fact that I'll just morph into a different subject because I think it's so. We saw Jay White get attacked yep. at the end of Dynamite by people in black with the devil mask on one with the devil mask on mm-hmm. okay I f- first i'm gonna i'm gonna just ask you a bunch of questions and then you sure. answer them and then do you believe adam cole's injury is real yes uh not to the extent that i think is being portrayed but yes so he's hurt but he's not hurt like they're saying he's hurt like the three fractured bones and could barely move around, I think that might be an exaggeration for an early return. Okay. Do you think do you think Britt Baker putting it on social media and putting the x-rays on and showing him um, is real? Uh, similar to the other question, yes, but not again, not as uh, severe. Uh, as it's made out to be. Okay. Do you think it's a work of any kind? Uh, yes. Let's go with yes. Who is in the devil mask? I think it is Adam Cole in the devil mask. I think that is the uh, angle that they're going to go with. I think it just in terms of... You're going back into, uh, you know, previous history. Uh, Jay White and Adam Cole had some beef in Bullet Club. Uh, going back to the first Forbidden Door, um, and uh, I, I think it's one of those. Uh, I, I think it just kind of goes back to that. Um, again, I, this story for me with MJF and Adam Cole really needs some sort of a a who done it uh, or some sort of a, a a turn here where it's not just these guys being all buddy buddy for for so long, it needed some something different. It needed to take a twist. Um, in terms of a cliffhanger, it certainly got people talking. There are certainly different ways that they could go about it, but I do believe this is Adam Cole under a mask. Okay, so the rest of the group, do you think is undisputed era or? whatever you want to call right like roddy and roddy bennett and matt taven yes and maybe kyle o'reilly as well maybe o'reilly yes it i mean he's the he's the dark horse to be the guy under the mask he could be the guy that was under the mask kyle o'reilly but uh to me to me i think it's adam cole is there anything that it could be MJF under the mask. Uh, a low percentage 
I think it's honestly O'Reilly more than MJF because the way that they've built this story has been MJF has been seeing more of the good in Adam Cole and the, and the good side. And uh, despite all the tensions that happen, you know, at the start of the storyline and MJF is starting to see more of the good that eventually I think somebody is going to betray MJF to where MJF goes back to his heel side. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a possibility. I don't think it's 0%, but I still think my leading candidate would be uh, Adam Cole. Because Jay White and MJF had a remarkable, and uh, by the way, um, for the B show, they had an A-class performance in how to do promos on Dynamite last Wednesday. Now, the wrestling, okay. But you want to you hear people do promos where MJF and Jay White went at it? For a long time, and MJF was at his best. And Jay White, while maybe hesitating for a second, came back really strong. And I was really worried about Jay White's credibility after MJF got done with him and he was going to take the microphone. I'm like, oh my God, please, please, please just be decent. Mm -hmm. He was more than decent. Yes. And then not to be kind of undone with that was... Adam Page and Swerve Strickland, who I thought were really, really good in that contract signing. But um, to be able to um, identify, like it could be MJF when it comes to like people second-guessing the fact that everyone's going to think it's Adam Cole and he's actually the one doing it, like in plain sight, because you see the devil mask and you think it's that. Right? And then you mm -hmm. go, oh, it can't be. It can't be. So, do you think he plays it all along, kind of blaming it on the fact that it is Adam Cole and all of his guys and blah, 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 and it's MJF all along? Is that a possibility? I like that idea. Um, it would fit into MJF's character of saying, you know, the worst thing you know about the devil is that you thought he didn't exist, something along those lines. Um, so it would make sense. Uh, I could see it as 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 an angle. Um, it, it's a possibility. I I'll say that. Okay, <laughs> it's trying, a possibility. Trying not to be rude is like Lee. It, it's not him for sure. <laughs> uh, I'm trying. Yeah, I know, but then if it is, <laughs> you're gonna really put your foot in your mouth. So right. um I'll give you one other person who I do think it could be. And you're gonna go, oh, well, that's not fair because it's kind of the same, but it's not the same. I don't think you've mentioned yet who I think it actually is. Okay. So I don't think right now, and I'm like I, I think it's good because we, you're right. We need a whodunit because we actually don't know. Is it Adam Cole? A lot of people would believe that it is. Is it Roddy Strong? Is it MJF? Is it Kyle O'Reilly? Would those those would be the four top people? Would you say? Yeah, those those are the strongest names for me. Okay. I will throw a fifth contender in there. Sure. And I will say. It's Britt Baker. Oh, okay. Okay. I could see it. 
tired of where tired of where Adam Cole is going. Tired of or whether it's in cahoots with Adam Cole or even in the I needed to do something to get your ass going category. Um because when the group comes back, they're going to have Britt Baker with them. She is toiling away doing nothing. And I, to me, it is a major red flag. When she puts up, and you can go back and look at it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But she puts up this x-ray of, oh, poor Adam Cole. He always gets hurt, blah, 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 blah. But here's the x-ray. He's really hurt because we're going to try and prove to you that he really is. And I'm not a doctor, Zach. Mm -hmm. But first of all, and look, I in discussions with Ben and when you're sitting around talking, watching pay-per-views with people and end up talking for five or six hours about what possibilities are, right? Mm -hmm. So we flushed a lot of things out. Sorry, fleshed a lot of things out, which is how you properly say it. I didn't know that for about 15 years till Matt Connors Vita finally told me, but you flesh it out. <laughs> uh, when you flesh it out, there's a possibility that it could be a lot of people, but you go back to that x-ray. I don't know. Do you have a chance to bring it up? Britt Baker? Putting the x-ray? Yeah. Putting it up on social media. Oh, poor Adam. Here's his break. Blah blah blah. He'll get his chance. He'll he'll be back stronger than ever. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I got it up here now. First of all, when did she put that up? Uh last edited, ten thirty-seven p.m. September twenty-seventh, twenty twenty-three. September twenty-seventh. That's right. That, that would have been exactly. Dynamite. What's that? That would have been uh, last week's dynamite. So you're telling me that if, like, I recently have, like, I think broken my foot, okay? In any injury that I've ever known, when you do something, especially if there's going to be surgery and this and that and the other thing, you don't do x-rays right away. In fact, how many times in professional sports, Zach, have you seen the fact that Dak Prescott gets hurt and they can't do an x-ray until the next day or the day after because mm -hmm. of what? The swelling. Yep. So they did an x-ray, apparently, on the same night? Of the Adam same... Cole's injury, yes. And Adam Cole got hurt at about 9.58 p.m., right? Whatever time it was, he came down right at the end. Mm-hmm. Okay, the end of dynamite, ten o'clock, and you telling me at ten twenty-seven? Is that when it was last edited? Ten twenty-seven. Ten twenty-seven p.m. Yeah. September twenty-seventh, last week's dynamite. That's not the dynamite that was at uh, Grand Slam. Uh, that was the go home dynamite before. Uh, okay, so it's one. It's one week later. Yes. Okay, so you're telling me that. Right after that episode, she puts it out. Do you, are you a doctor, Zach? I am not a doctor, no. Okay, so if you could you look at the x-ray for me? And if he broke his ankle in three places, could you tell me, um, I guess, tell me 
how clean the brakes are. Does it look really clean? Does it look like when you look at where the actual brakes in that ankle are? Do they look clean? Do they look all disorganized, jumbled? A little jumbled. I'm not the an expert on reading x-rays, but... Uh... They look very, very clean. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Very clean. You break your ankle in three places, you don't break it like that. No. No. And why is... Why is Britt Baker putting that on in the first place? What? What? Why? On social media, they've kept injuries very close to the vest, including them. Yep. When's the last time you saw an injury kind of even brought out like this? And people are going to say the Brian Danielson broken forearm one. And I would say right away on the day, he told you he broke his forearm mm -hmm. in the middle of the match. But we didn't hear anything about Adam Cole. And all of a sudden now he's got, like, we heard nothing for a week. But yep. now they're, they're like, oh, it's broken and it's in three places and he's going to need surgery and blah, 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 blah. But don't worry, look who he is. He's sitting out here for dynamite. This just feels way too contrived for me. Too coordinated. Too coordinated. So I think it could be Britt Baker. And I actually, that would be my leading candidate right now. Interesting. Interesting. And I, and I say that sort of as the, it might as well be Adam Cole, but it's going to get Britt Baker as a very, very prominent member of that group when it goes forward. Um, it would be a hell of a twist, I could tell you that. Or you could say a break in her career. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. So, anyway, it's a good kind of whodunit. But I really like the promo work. From them, and I just I really tried to steer the conversation away from how bad that match was and why they're even doing that still. Why yeah. would they be keeping the titles if they weren't going to do something dastardly? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they just drop them and instead making a team look ridiculous in the process? Second straight show, the AEW World Championship has not been defended on pay per view. Second yeah. straight one. Instead, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships have been defended more. And uh, I, uh, I I have a lot to say about uh, MJF's current thought process on uh, this storyline. Uh, I, I will just say this. No, go I ahead. Think, go ahead. Take your I, time. I think this guy, I think he's still resting on his laurels right now. Um. I, I think this is not this is easily not the best MJF we can expect from him. And especially in this title reign. I think this guy, I totally disagree with him on this thought process of he said at the press conference of the you know the different styles and the different versions of ice cream. The problem is here, Lee, 
this ice cream that uh, MJF is presenting has been ice cream we have been served with for the last 20 years in the other company. So are we really getting variety here? Or are we just getting the same thing just with a couple different options now surrounding that ice cream option? Okay. The reason why AEW stuck out in terms of the different varieties of wrestling is because it was wrestling that wasn't presented on a mainstream television show in decades. Decades. We've been getting sports entertainment for the last 20 to 25 years. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm done hearing about... I, I hear people sometimes got to throw a little bit of sports entertainment. No! Why? Let the other... Let WWE do sports entertainment. They know... That's their that's their bread and butter. They've been doing it for decades. Why even try and divulge into that territory? Do your own thing. I would much rather have more Zack Sabre Jr. and Brian Danielson matches, Eddie Kingston versus Katsuyori Shibata, you know, Swerve versus Hangman Page. I would want that 10 times more than what MJF is doing with this storyline. So I I I take I hear that argument about oh different varieties or whatever and I say no I've already been presented that variety I've been already been given this chocolate for twenty years I want to have the vanilla I want to have the strawberry I want to have the cookies and cream you know the 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 mint chocolate chip or whatever right so why is something that the other company does and does better quite frankly uh, on this show where it's lesser than it's on your world championship too. The, the world champion has been affected. This storyline has also affected Aussie Open, like I mentioned earlier. It's definitely going to affect the righteous. They were getting a push. I mean, uh, tell me this isn't any different than Triple H. Who is that tag team that he beats while he was world champion all by himself? Uh, it was this some jobber tag team. Uh, tell me how this is any different from that. I just see all of this, and it's and and this is not the best MJF. And I know there's the saying in wrestling, like, you want to be able to maximize what you're able to do without doing as much. Um, but we've seen guys like Flair be able to get into a pattern where he could still do some great stuff and not have to go all the way. Will Ospreay is trying to figure that out. Danielson, to an extent, is able to do that. All these great performers in wrestling history have been able to maximize what they've got without having to go overkill on stuff. This is just resting on your laurels. This is just being lazy. Like this, I would much rather have... CM Punk come back and we get a CM Punk versus MJF feud than this. I, I'm just, it, it's the same thing I had with the bloodline storyline where it starts to get to a point where, where, what are we really doing here? And I, I, again, it's just lazy. He's calling Jay white tofu of all things, you know, like, am I watching raw? Why are you doing this MJF? You're much better than this. If you're just going to do this, if you want to just fulfill your WWE storylines, go to WWE in 2024, quite frankly, because you're not, I'm not getting the best version of you on my television screen on AEW programming. And I know that it's getting pops in the buildings and people will tell me about that. Oh, it's getting over. There's the chance and blah, 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 blah. But this is not the best of MJF. And you could also look at everything else surrounding it. Look at the attendance figures for AEW shows recently, ever since the storyline has taken fold. I, you know, Chris Thompson sent me a thing about how a house show at WWE outdrew the AEW pay per view. Uh, Hold last on, night. Le Champion is bu- going behind my back to yes. send you numbers about the WWE. Is that so? Oh, he is. This guy on Twitter. I, 
I couldn't make it to the pay-per-view last night. I wasn't feeling well. <laughs> oh, he was feeling well enough to go behind my back and send you some WWE pertinent information. That's right. And and here's the thing. WWE knows that strategy well. There's been other house shows that have drawn more. There was a house show earlier this year where they drew 10,000 people for a house show. It's because of the hotter brand. And it's because they want that style of stuff. When AEW is hot, I cannot even really think of a main program where it was very WWE-esque. And I'm, I'm looking back at 2021 and early bits of 2022. Like, was the stuff that CM Punk doing? Brian Danielson, Heyman Page, the Elite. Uh, you know, all these guys that were going to the Bucks, FTR. Are these all guys that we would say, yep, they're doing the WWE-style wrestling or they're doing the AEW brand that they they were wrestling the AEW style wrestling. They were different. They were able to make themselves stand out. And that's why they were able to get into a hot period on top of punk coming in, you know, seven years away, bringing in that audience. And now you're seeing these attendance figures. It's like in the low two thousands, low three thousands. I don't want to sound like those trolls. It's like, Oh, look at the hard camp side, but the attendance figures are low. Like this is not a hot company right now. And people just need to accept it that the storylines are not hitting the way it could be. And I will say with Punk gone, they've been much more centralized and focused on what they want to do with their storylines in recent weeks, which I think is a positive and could help contribute to them. But other than the Wembley show, you look at the North American tours that AEW has been doing ever since the storyline has taken hold, it's not been hitting. They've gotten a couple of quarter hours, you know, that, that have drawn some numbers and whatever. But I, I just, I, 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 Look at this, and it's like, what are we really benefiting here? Why are we kind of delving into this WWE storyline? Be different. Be be make yourself stand out. New Japan had its hot run, and it was in a different country, and it didn't even have English promos, and yet they were still able to get over because they were able to present themselves as an alternative, and they got a hot period to where people from North America were traveling to Japan to go to these Wrestle Kingdom shows because the wrestling was so good. Be different in this, especially in this crowded space of wrestling right now. I'm so done with this MJF stuff and hearing about little bits of sports entertainment. Cut it off. None of it. Let them do what they can do. You do what you do best, and that is professional wrestling. All right? WWE can do sports entertainment. You do professional wrestling. That's what I got to say about this MJF stuff. I am, I, it makes me mad because I know he could be better than this. I know he could be better than this, and it's infuriating. Otherwise, the show is great, Lee. I really enjoyed this show. I mean, it was it was a very good show. Just that opener, just what are we doing here? Just unbelievable. Oh, Zach, <laughs> I, I, I'm just not doing my job properly if I can't get you to this same level much earlier in the program. And I I, <laughs> I apologize. Um, I guess default MJF or default Tony Khan. Both. I fault them both. Okay. I, I, I fault MGF for thinking that this is what wrestling fans want. And I, again, I will, I know people are going to throw some quarter hours and whatever, but uh, I, I fault him for that. And I fault uh, Tony Khan for not putting his foot down a little bit more and saying, Hey, this is our ver vision for this company. If you want to do that, you can take it to the other company. But uh, so yes. I, you know how much I liked some of the lead up. Um, to Adam Cole and MJF going off against each other 
at all in. I actually didn't I didn't mind it because it was short and then it's gonna be done. Yeah, they've had maybe a couple of curveballs, but I also expected it to be done. And I thought for sure it would be done. And now I'm watching them on a boat. And I'm like, oh Zach's not gonna like this. <laughs> I didn't. Zach, no, but I didn't either. And that's yeah. That's the difference of you had a, a very short window of time where I think it was okay to do, and I was pretty entertained by it. But I'm not anymore. And MJF was always, and, and this is why I'm saying I don't like him as a tweener or a face. MJF was always, I don't care what's going on with him, whatever dastardly thing he's doing, when he comes out, I want to watch and I want to listen. I am not getting that feeling right now with him. Nope. And he should be better than this. He really should be. Resting on his laurels like that, calling people tofu and doing this boat. No, it segment. was a good. It was a good promo with Jay White. Come on, he was really good in that promo. You can call him tofu. tolerable. No, he was good. He was really, really good. I've heard because better MJF promos. Okay, but it doesn't mean it wasn't good. His bar is very high. He does a promo like nobody else can do it, and he did really, really well. But I do agree with you with, like, I kind of hoped, like, they go down the whodunit and blah, 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 and it ends up being, like, that's why I think MJF is a possible character to be this person because you almost think it is it's the devil mask you know nobody's on the level of the devil and you're like oh well okay well it can't be him somebody's going to portray him and you kind of outthink yourself but he needs to be back on top doing something dastardly and Jay White came out and held his own with him in the ring and maybe for him to go out there and go I just need to get MJF back to somewhere where I want to watch him and that's as a true heel it's not in this character right now and whatever he just did with the righteous and he made them look bad he didn't help himself and they need to get where they're going real quick all that to say Zach this is a hell of a show yeah this is a great show so, <laughs> I enjoyed this show so almost every match after the opener I was like, hmm. Because I really enjoyed Julia Hart uh, coming out and Chris Statlander, and I didn't think that I would. Um, while I would have liked a couple of matches to be better, they were still really good. Mm -hmm. um, there almost wasn't a dud in, in the group after that. Yeah, agreed. And so when you can put on a show like that, and I was worried about the huge letdown, even if Edge was going to come back, of Christian Cage and Darby going two to three falls after such a great show. And they still held up their end of the bargain. Um, you got a somewhat surprising return um, to those who wouldn't know. You got a surprising return. And you got a hell of a wrestling card this is going to be 
when you I always make fun of you. You're like this in January. This is going to be. I tell you what. This is going to be, and it never is. Okay. And then in February, well, this one, blah 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 blah, is going to be. I will tell you when we look back, it's going to be in the top, and it, and it it isn't. You don't think Osprey Omega One is uh, going to be in the match of the year contendership uh, category? May not even win match of the year. You think? Yeah, Zach. What what month was that? That was in January. In Omega January. Osprey, Omega Osprey one and uh, Wrestle I thought, Kingdom. Thought you were talking about number two. Number two will uh, and that yeah, and uh, June, July. So my whole point is now that we're in October, I don't know if I can put another show ahead of this show so far this year. Wow, I'm trying to think of another show, kind of top to bottom that I would stack up there. And the reason I say that is because I know you don't like, you just went on this whole rant about you don't like sports entertainment to the wrestling, but I do think they gave you a lot of different stuff within the confines of wrestling. They gave you technical wrestling. They gave you strong style wrestling. They gave you, you know, kind of a main event where you had a returning guy and crazy bumps and, and putting up, you know, tearing up half the ring. Mm -hmm. They had, unfortunately, some guys get hurt. They had some crazy spot matches. Uh, they, they, they just had something for everything as a true wrestling fan. Technical, strong style, you know, all of it. Mm -hmm. I can't remember another card that had as much as this one did without thinking that there were some big duds in the middle. If you go back to Forbidden Door and you're like, oh, what a show. Do you remember that Jungle Boy fought? Yeah. Son Sonata? Like, yeah. In like eight minutes for the apparently one of the most prestigious titles in the world? Like, what? Yeah. In you know the middle I mean? of a Sonata push. And yeah, that wasn't great. Um, but, the, but Forbidden Door had a couple of those. Yeah. That were just like, eh, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like, and Forbidden Door is a great show. Mm-hmm. Forbidden Door wasn't this show. No, I, I'm just going through and uh, I was thinking back to Revolution this year where it had the, you know, uh, it had the MGF Danielson Iron Man match, which I thought was incredible. Yeah. Um, And the Adam Page, John Moxley, Texas Death match. But it also had Wardlow versus Samoa Joe. And I remember that match being very underwhelming. Super bad. I see. Yeah, this was, this was before Ward, uh, Samoa Joe really started to kick off uh, and get I get mm -hmm. hot um and wardlow is wardlow and so uh but i remember that show being very good i i remember forbidden door other than that sonata jack perry match where even that to an extent was all right um it was definitely better than the lowest match on this card i could say that yeah but take away the lowest match on this card the rest of them were better than average Yep. And I would say that on that Forbidden Door show, you had, um, what's his name come out? Uh, Japanese legend, superstar, forgetting his name, that was awful. Tanahashi. Yeah. Awful. Jungle Boy Sonata. Awful. Um, and just off the top of my head, because I don't have it in front of me, I'm trying to think, even Punk fought who? 
that match I thought was good. The Ko- Kojima versus Punk match. Yeah, it I was thought a- that was a fun match. Okay, I thought it was average. I thought it was okay. If he didn't have the star factor in Punk, I thought it was just okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the women's match on that show? Was there a on- women's match on the show? Or was there not? No, I don't remember. Um. Anyway, I was there trying to remember who who it was, but sorry, continue. There, there, there are three or four, just what I would call. Yeah, they weren't bad, but they weren't. They were they weren't better than average. Mm-hmm. Every match on this card, minus the first one, was a better than average match, to some degree. Fair, and that's why I'm putting it number one. This is a show. If you're a wrestling fan, you got to go and watch. Yes, and, and get past the sports entertainment at the beginning. Maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but it wasn't what the rest of the show was. Yeah. I don't even think it's good sports entertainment if you're a sports entertainment fan. So, well, that's what, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. even if you're a sports entertainment fan, this one, and if you could just ignore John Moxley on the microphone, which I thought was maybe the worst part of the entire pay per view, mm-hmm. um, I just don't understand the logic of it especially listening to him after on the pre-show and then maybe even the first match, I don't understand the logic of it because you, you're not selling anything. And usually when you have people come out on the microphone, it's like when Christian comes out on and joins the commentary desk, he's on TV because he's setting up another match, right? Mm-hmm. That's what he's doing. He's doing a promo. You don't need John Moxley to do a promo for Brian freaking Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. You need to let people, again, it goes back to the broadcasting. What I want to say here finally is just, you learn in big moments that you need to get out of the way as much as possible mm-hmm. and let, let the pictures, let people do their thing and don't take away from it. Don't do anything ever to take away from what's going on. If you can add to it, fine, but let the action take care of itself. My God, John Moxley did not do that. And and Tony Khan needed to pull him off of it after the Wheeler Yuta match because it was awful. And then it is easily the worst part of one of the best matches I've seen in a long time in Brian Danielson and Zack Sabre Jr. So I'm going to go watch it on mute, Zach. <laughs> and... Uh, as Depeche Mode would say, enjoy the silence. Oh, great reference. Love yeah. me some Depeche Mode. That's yeah. great. There you go. Uh, always good to catch up. This is a long Wrestle Dream review, but yeah. well needed for a hell of a show. And not much to review on a 38-3 Cowboys victory over the nope. New England Patriots. I'm scared crapless going into San Francisco next week. Agreed. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm terrified, <laughs> especially the way that San Fred beat the Cardinals and how the Cowboys were not able to be the Cardinals. Uh, I'm a little yes. nervous, but yep. uh, if the defense could pull through. Oh, I know. But good thing that Christian McCaffrey got all of his touchdowns out of the way last game because you right. might you might want to cover that guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> however, this has been fun, and uh, obviously we're going to get – uh, a lot of stuff. I think there's going to be some good work coming up in the next little while. So, um, oh, and by the way, too, I know um, you know NXT kind of had their show. I just wanted to say Braun Breaker losing in the opening match to Baron Corbin warms my heart. <laughs> 
somebody learn their lesson get that guy off of television and stop making stop building your company around them not a brawn breaker guy no not a brawn breaker guy i don't have a lot to say about the wwe i think they had an awful week and i just don't even know what to say about it this week so i'm glad we're, we didn't talk about it i think they had a terrible week mm. um I just hated Raw and SmackDown last week. Hated them. No comment from you. No, not. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not good TV. I don't know. I don't know how else I can really flail around and wave my arms and tell you that it's. La Knight. La Knight made the save for John Cena in the main event of SmackDown. Like, oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know what's worse. Like I'm not a huge LA Knight fan and the it just it just seems like he is redoing The Rock and Steve Austin at the same time mm-hmm. 20 years later. But it's even worse having him come in to save John Cena in the main event in 2023. Correct. Like oh god, it just is so painful. So painful. Get excited, Lee. But the judgment judgment day there's some friction but they're ruling everything but there's some friction thanks for the update yeah that's how it goes but don't worry uh brian pillman jr is about to debut on nxt well hey you know what i i will say that they finally did something smart and got that nxt title off of dirty dom the north american championship yeah um it's a bad match but uh and i don't care i don't don't (laughs) care zach the title's off of him. It should sure. never have been on him. Yeah. Brick Williams missed Dom by like a mile and he still got the finish. So uh, yeah. yeah. But he's got to look, Trick Williams. He he fits that WWE mold perfectly. So yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a big push down the line. And, and look, they promo Jade Cargill and so they should um, about how big of a star she's going to be. And maybe she will be. And I think that's awesome. I just please, if you're listening to this and you're a WWE fan, how could they possibly have missed on Jade Cargill? Could you please look to Swerve Strickland and many, many others that are in AW that are yeah. just doing incredible things? Yep. How could they miss on a wrestling talent? Just look at the wave of bodies that WWE has left in the last decade. Okay. So if AW, I think there's an argument that they should have re-signed Jade Cargill when they had a chance and just pushed her even if she looked bad, pushed her with better women in tougher spots to make her get better, there's an argument that they should have done that. They didn't. She's going to go to WWE, and she'll, they'll probably make her into... I don't know. I. The only issue... We were talking about this last night again. The only issue with her and why you have faith that if you're a WWE fan that they are going to do the right thing and make her into a megastar my comeback would be as Ben and I talked about this last night, Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair is an absolutely insane talent, athletic as anything. She might not have like the sort of the defining parts that Jade Cargill does, but she's a better athlete. Oh, definitely a better athlete. Yes. And they should have turned Bianca Belair into a megastar. And they have failed miserably. So 
Well, I think Jay Cargill can be a megastar. I hope she is for her sake, and I hope the WWE does her well. I'm not convinced, though. We'll see. I'm not convinced. Yeah. I hope for Jay Cargill's sake it, it does work out, and I think for actually, you know, wrestling business sake that somebody from AEW could be successful in WWE. We saw that with Cody. Yep. Uh, so there's a chance, but uh, yeah, it's like for for one Cody Rhodes, I can give you a Damian Sandow, an Alistair Black, Keith Lee, a Bearcat Lee, I should say. Uh, you know, I could just go on and on with the different people that they. Uh, Bailey at her peak when she had the hugger gimmick. Uh, like, I could just go on and on with the different gimmicks that they did not capitalize on. Yep. But they and got Cody, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they All got right, Cody. Uh, so, yeah. Always good to talk to you. And uh, this has been fun. Again, uh, Wrestle Dream. It was pretty much a dream pay per view and, and worth the money. So go and watch it if you get a chance. For Zach McGibbon on Lever Stage, thanks again for listening to This is Wrestling.